Just what is it about a good toy? A good toy can keep a child busy for hours, even days. It can make adults wish they were kids once again. But a really good toy just might have the allure, the power, the X factor to innovate an entire industry. Or at least that's the hope each year at the Spielwarenmesse International Toy Fair in Nuremberg. Perhaps the most important pit stop among dozens in the global year-round toy pilgrimage. The place where players, big and small, in this far-reaching industry flock eagerly once a year, and with pleasure. For most of the people that are coming, this is really an, a date in their calendar that is marked. So they are coming each year, and some of them are coming now for 40 years or even uh, longer. It's like a kind of community, like a network. They meet their friends because a lot of their relationships are now on a friendship base. And this is something that is special here in Nuremberg. Because if you compare to these very, very big cities like New York or Hong Kong, then you don't really feel the fair if you're walking through um, uh, the city afterwards. And here in Nuremberg, um, everybody knows it's fair time, um, and everybody has a special offer, or there's a special uh, program in the theater or in the cinema. Um, there are a lot of activities um, uh, in downtown. So you really, if you go to the city, you, you feel this atmosphere. Toy fairs may seem like any other trade show, and to a certain extent they are. It's a place in a time where hands are shaked, orders are made, manufacturers meet distributors, retailers meet makers, and movers and shakers. But there's just something about the contrasts that give toy fairs an edge. Grown men with balloons, because, well, why not? Pretzels stacked like Pez in large plastic bins. Oh, and plush zebras zooming past on wheels. Is this all a dream? Some might find it hard to get serious about toys. In Nuremberg, with its pavilions manned by NBA-wielding Peter Pans, the job is to think like a child. If someone sends you a catalogue and you look at a photo of a product, it's nothing compared to actually being right up close to it and being able to squish it, you know, put yourself in the mind of a child. If you look at a teddy bear, it may look nice and soft and fluffy, but you don't know. You see people going around with their, with their wheelie trolleys and holding press packs and, and trying to find out um, what's going to be out there and what's new. They're here with their budgets to look at stuff that hopefully is going to make them money by selling it in the shop. If there's a lot of people, it usually means there's a lot of business going on and that can only mean good things for the trade. The strength of the toy industry long ago joined the likes of death and taxes in the ranks of things that you could almost always count on. It's a sector reliably said to be crisis-resistant or recession-resilient, an economist proof that children usually get what they want, parents' bank accounts be damned. Key to this resilience is constant innovation, and innovation was everywhere in Nuremberg. Brand new to 2014 show was the Trend Gallery, a hall where experts and editors, professors and lecturers all gathered around glass displays full of cutting-edge products. Toy expert Renee Rice was one of them. She was chosen to be among the inaugural trend committee this year. It's an art and a science because you can't always predict what you can put all the pieces in place to make it a successful franchise, a successful product. But if the kids don't grasp onto it and they don't really resonate with the kid, it's not going anywhere. The international team toiled in back rooms over coffee and plastic and lots of colored wood to arrive at four areas of growth in the toy industry. One trend is Mini is King, and it's not just about mini-sized things, but it's also about families and society actually living in smaller homes. So having to have a large kitchen set or a large dollhouse um, in your home may not be feasible in a child's room anymore. 
Retromania is one of the trends here at the fair, and that really encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses products that are maybe packaged in retro packaging, or maybe designed to look like something we played with as a kid. But it's also classic characters that are holding anniversaries, like Power Rangers has a 20th anniversary, even Godzilla, 60th anniversary. The toy industry is fairly tightly knit. With a packed trade show schedule that rivals a headline band's world tour, executives are bound to develop close relationships over the years. In the toy industry, it's people move from company to company, but they tend to stay in the toys and games industries. They stay because they love the people, they love what they're doing, they're building things for children. It's like a big family. But not everybody in Toyland hops from company to company. Andrea Schauer runs one of the great gems in Germany's glistening toy-making crown, Playmobil. This year, the company turns a right middle-aged 40 and is celebrating record sales of its iconic 7.5-centimeter figures. From its original characters in the mid-1970s, a tiny Indian, a knight, and a construction worker, 2.7 billion have followed. Andre has been with the company for over two decades and has seen the industry grow in unexpected ways. In 1974, Playmobil was first presented on Toy Fair. Um, and actually, adults, uh, buyers who saw it, they weren't really convinced about it. The figures were fairly expensive compared to what they knew from the market, but they were wrong. The kids really appreciated it, and now it's 40 years of continuous success. When I joined the company, the whole industry was more laid back, but then the computers got into the kids' rooms, it put on the big brands uh, more pressure to come up with novelties. While we had something like 30 to 40 novelties back then, we now uh, introduce up to 150 items um, a year. I think the most important part is that it's fun. Our team manages to really put a lot of play value into the toys, making it very attractive so that it doesn't sit in the corner but gets in the middle of the room that it inspires the kids, um, getting new stories to their mind. That's the most important driver of the success of the brand. And speaking about the minds of kids, meet Tom van der Bruggen, founder of Kapla and contender for the world's most interesting man, builder of castles in southern France, fixer of pianos, racer of yachts. He's also behind what might be the world's most stylish and basic toy company this side of the Rhone. Kapla is all about back to basics, a primal love of wood and touch and an era when circuit boards and apps were limited to the pages of sci-fi magazines and forward-looking pulp fiction. It's a simple construction toy made up of identical wooden blocks. It's beautiful and very, very fun. I discovered that all blocks for children you can buy are far too massive to construct. They never build the breaches, you can't make the floors, the roofs and whatever. So I knew that you need a plank and not a block. Children like to play, but if you want that they play and they learn something, it is good to have the Kapla planks construct something that you can go and further and further and develop it. Because that means that while playing, you discover difficulties. And the goal is the child or the player has to find the solution. The toy industry is one of contrasts. The United States versus China, digital versus wooden, and yes, the adult designer versus a very young consumer. So ultimately, who's a toy for? Just maybe, the great resilience of the toy industry, all of the big sales and buzz and growth, 
isn't a simple matter of spoiled kids after all. Maybe it's a case of a previous generation's children, all grown up, parents eyeing new products with cash in their pockets and a nostalgic glint in their eyes. From Monocle in Nuremberg, I'm Daniel Giacopelli.